want to go back to the same passage of scripture I, I was speaking about last Sunday, which is Acts the fourth chapter. I got stuck on this idea of being bold and praying for boldness and asking God to make us not so scared and to be people that uh, can actually stand up in the face of some opposition. So if you'll find that, the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, and I just want to read a few scriptures because, you know, when people in the first church, the first Christians, when they got under pressure, when they got under uh, difficulty, when they faced opposition, their natural response was to get together and to pray. And so uh, let's find out uh, from the very first recorded prayer that we have of any Christians anywhere in the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 24, this is how the first Christians prayed. This is what was normal for them. In the 24th verse, it says, after they had uh, heard the threats and the, 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 the uh, opposition that was against them, they gathered together and they raised their voices to God with one accord and they said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. So God, you're, you're God. You're in charge of everything. You made everything. And who by the mouth of your servant David, and he gives this Old Testament prophecy about what would happen to the Messiah. You, who through the mouth of your servant David said, why do the nations rage? Why, and the people plot vain things and the king of the earth took their stand and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. We saw all of this happen. You predicted it. We, you knew that, that the, the anointed one, the Christ, was going to be persecuted. And we saw Herod and we saw Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel gather together, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to do or before to be done. In other words, you, you saw it all. You're God. You're in charge. You predicted it. And then it happened all according to your purpose and we know this. So after establishing all that, then they say, Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And I just want to keep asking you, when was the last time you were praying for boldness? And all through these 40 days, my hope is that we'll move past some of the things that we pray about, just, just to expand ourselves from praying just for ourselves and for our families and maybe one or two people that we love who are sick, but really praying for things that are bold and great and cause us to move forward and cause us to, to, to reach out and to do great things, so, so bold that God has to show up and confirm it that it's him with signs and wonders. That's the kind of prayers I want us to learn how to pray and so let's just stop right here. Heavenly Father, please teach us by your word today. I pray that somehow uh, we'll be like uh, as, as teachable as your first disciples who, who said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Father, may we become just like you and just like these people who, who were the first Christians. And Lord, empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit today and let everything that's said and done here just be exactly what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. It was on a flight from... Uh, Haiti back to the United States. I've been there so many times since that earthquake. I was bringing some students from our church there recently and flying back I had this moment where I really began to question about, you know, I th 
what, do the, what are the things that I really pray about? And I began to ponder the, the kinds of prayers that I pray, leaving one of the most broken places in the world, coming back into the one of the most safe. In fact, we live in, in the safest country in the entire world. We live in the, the safest community or one of the safest places in the safest country in the entire world. And I just began to ponder for a moment the prayers that I pray and really uh, how ridiculous they must sound to a global God who looks across the whole world and sees a, a, a global humanity crying out to him for all sorts of things. And the prayers that I pray and what they must sound like to him. Prayers for, you know, keep me safe as I drive uh, to work or drive throughout my day. And I'm coming from a place where the people say, have you seen our roads? Do you know how people drive? And there's no seat belts and there's no traffic laws and nobody obeys anything. People make up their own rules. And do you know how many people are allowed to travel in the back of a truck in Haiti? As many people as they can put in. You know, so there are no rules. And so to have somebody in that culture hear me pray in my culture, oh God, keep me safe today, they would just laugh. Or, or, or a person from that culture, you know, when I would pray, God, you know, help my kids get through school today. Just help them make it through and, you know, help them. And their prayer is like, God, could I go to school? And, you know, prayers that have to do with, you know, uh, God bless me today. God just bless my day. And someone from that culture going, why? Because you don't have enough, like you need more than what you already have. And I began to question the common prayers that I pray every single day. Help, 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 help. Bless, 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 bless. Me, 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 me. And I began to think, oh man, I wonder if I need to grow. And I wonder if we need to grow in the way that we pray What happened to us along the way? It wasn't always like this. Somehow, we've lost our ability to be bold. We we live in this safe safe, uh, culture, this safe country, this safe community, and yet we're one of the most fearful people in the world today. As far as Christians go, we're some of the least bold Christians in the entire world today. You know, we're so afraid about what someone might think of us. And we're so afraid about uh, what someone might say or if they would be offended. And I'm wondering, what happened to us along the way? And it wasn't always like this. Because we just read a a passage where the first believers, they came under incredible opposition for the message that they were proclaiming. That they were witness to this event, that, that Jesus had been killed, that he'd been crucified. But three days later, they saw him alive. And they flooded the streets of Jerusalem, simply telling what they'd seen. And explaining that, that, that although you may be lost in your sins, you could find forgiveness in Christ and he's alive and he validated everything he taught because we saw him arise from the dead. And they began to be persecuted for this, for this message. And they started praying, God, give us boldness. God, you're in control. God, you predicted all of this. and You predicted even the opposition. So God, grant your servants boldness that we could keep on speaking in your name and grant, Lord, signs and wonders to follow so that we'll have the courage and the boldness to keep on speaking. They didn't pray uh, for God to take away all of their fear. They didn't pray that they would have no worries or anxiety. In fact, they prayed for boldness. And boldness is is courage in the face of anxiety. Like, we're scared, but God give us courage to do what we know is right, even though we're afraid. 
John Wayne had this great quote about courage. He, he said, uh, uh, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And, and that's the whole idea that we're, we're afraid. We're not, it's not like we're saying, God, take away our fears. It's God, give us boldness that even though we're afraid, God, give us the ability to do what you've called us to do and to speak. And so here's what happened in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. You find the results of that prayer. It says at the end of that passage, chapter 4, and they began to speak with boldness. And they were so bold that God showed up and, and responded to their bold speech. Have you ever thought that maybe why we don't see God do the miracles and the signs that we so long to see, it's simply because we're not speaking with boldness. They began to speak with boldness, and God began to confirm the words that these people spoke. In fact, it was so dramatic, so miraculous. People came from everywhere. The, the whole city of Jerusalem was turned upside down by this, by, by this message and by the power and by the healing that was going on. People came from surrounding villages. They would actually line them in the streets when they heard that they were coming by for hopes that even somebody, uh, one of the apostles' shadow might fall upon them. And people began to, be re- to recover, and the word spread, and people under the influence of demonic evil spirits. They were set free and delivered, and people uh, were in awe of the generosity and the way that they lived. And what was so amazing was, was that thousands and thousands of people were being added to the church, 3,000 on this day, 2,000 on another day, and, and all of this incredible activity was so wonderful. It was the, the high point of the church. And sometimes I think, wouldn't we like to see that? Wouldn't we like to see, you know, people respond? What happens if, if you know, 25% of the city of Indianapolis suddenly decided there's a God in heaven and I'm going to turn to him, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to serve him with my whole life and I'm going to change the direction and all of us would be very excited except we don't realize that if that were to happen, the very same thing that happened in this culture would also occur, that there would be great opposition because their power structures began to be threatened. The people who were in charge suddenly realized we're not really in charge anymore, that there's other people with louder voices and their message is being listened to you too and, and they're not listening to us anymore. They're, they're, these miracles are happening. People love them and they're not paying attention to us and so persecution began to come and opposition began to come and these people started saying, Lord, we cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard so give us the boldness to stand up in the face of this opposition. The, the opposition was furious they finally said, we've got to stop them. So apparently Peter and John aren't going to stop talking, so let's arrest them all. So they got all the guys. They arrested all the 12. And their intent was, was let's probably kill them all, and then this thing will finally be, you know, kill the leaders and squash the movement. They put them in jail. The temple guard arrested them. But that night, the, the angel of the Lord came, let them loose, opened the door and let them all out, and gave them this message, go back to the temple and preach the words of life, just as you've been doing incredibly, they go up back and do exactly what they're told. They go back to the temple early the next morning and they begin to teach the people and the crowds are gathered and people love it. They wake up the next morning, the council says, bring the guys in, we're gonna put them to trial and we're gonna do the same thing we did with Jesus. Give them a trial and execute them. And they sent to the jail and nobody was there. The guards are out front, everything's locked up, but the guys are gone. And while they're trying to figure it out and wonder what this means, a message comes that says, the guys, they're, they're in the temple. They're preaching in the temple now, even as we speak. 
and they're furious and they're angry and wondering what's going on. Send the guards to go back to arrest them again. But this time when the, crowds, when the, when the guards go, the crowds are so large and the people are so in awe of what's being done and what's being said, the guards realize if we try to arrest these guys, we'll be stoned. So, so the scripture is so cool. What it says, these, these guards, the captain of the guard and the officers go to Peter, go to the disciple and say, listen, we, re- we recognize we can't really arrest you. We recognize that if we were to even touch you, the people would probably stone us, but could you just come with us? They, they asked them, would you put yourselves under arrest? Would you, would you come with us? Because, because, you know, we got jobs and, you know, we, we've got, we were told to do this and, and it would just help us out so much if you would come because we know we can't take you by force. To my amazement and to your amazement, the, the apostle says, sure, we'll go with you. What? They could have manipulated the crowd. They could have said no. They could have ran. They could have done all kinds of things, but they, they saw an opportunity to represent Christ in front of the leaders one more time, and they all went and voluntarily went with these guys back to the same court in front of the same people that tried their leader, Jesus, just a few months before, whom they had crucified and executed, and they went back with these guards. And this is where I want to read a few lines from what these people actually said, just to reset us about what boldness looks like. Take a look at the 29th verse of chapter 5. Or no, actually, let's go back. Let's go back a few verses to verse 27. They brought them in. They set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Notice, they can't even say the name. Like, like we, you know, the name, the name that still causes offense for people today. Like, you can't say that name today either. I mean, you can talk about faith, and you can talk about God, and you can talk about belief. You can talk about providence. But say the name of Jesus in a public setting. And see how disruptive that actually becomes. And some of you would talk about God or pray about God in a public place, but you just instinctively know, if I say the name Jesus here, it's, it's, it's going to be disruptive. And pastor, you can pre- pray at this public event, but, but just don't pray in that name. It, it's the same thing that was happening back then. Why is it that that name is so disruptive, the name that is above every name? We, we, we forbid you, we told you not to speak in this name. And yet you fill Jerusalem with your doctrine and you attend to bring this man's blood on us, which, you know, you're trying to make it look like we're guilty of killing him, which the disciples would, well, you are. We were there. I I denied him, but I've come back. But I I was there when you killed him, when you crucified him, when, when you guys yelled, crucify him. So we're just saying what happened. It only happened like a few months ago. You fill this Jerusalem with your teaching. And, and Peter and John answered, and the other apostles said this. Look at this, verse 29. We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. <gasps> I mean, just bold. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel. That was so shocking. And forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses. We saw it with our own eyes of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. That's us. We're obeying him. He's given the Holy Spirit to us, not you. (laughs) When they heard this, of course, they were furious. And they they, they plotted in their hearts to kill him. 
And see, this still happens today. You need to understand that if you're going to be a witness for Jesus, one of two things are going to happen. People are going to change their ways and repent and say, I see the light. And then there are going to be people that want to murder you. And, and this is what normally happens. And that's why you have to pray this prayer. Lord, give us boldness to keep speaking in your name. When they heard this, they were furious. They plotted to kill them. And one of the old wise guys got up, got up and says, put them out. I, I want to talk to all of you. Let's just calm down here for a second. Listen, listen, listen. Be careful what you're about to do. We already have one martyr. Now you want to have 12. So before you kill these guys, and you know, think about what you're going to do. Just like Rome has stopped every other uprising, we don't have to get our hands dirty here. We, we, Rome will squash this. Rome will take care of this. So if this is of man, it, it won't last. Rome will take care of it. But if it's of God, I mean, it'd be like, you know, it, it'd be like we'd be fighting against God. And, and who wants to do that? So come on, let, let's, just, let's just pause. Let's let Rome handle it. And, and Gamaliel did not even realize how prophetic he was being. This is God speaking through this man to everybody else, saying, if this is of man, it'll, it won't last. But if this is of God, you won't even be able to fight against this. And see, here's what's so amazing. The superpower of the day, Rome, went away, but the cross of Jesus still stands today. What's amazing is in the city of Rome, there are more crosses in the city of Rome than any other city in the world. Not crosses celebrating a Roman crucifixion, but crosses celebrating and remembering one man who rose from the dead. Jesus outlived and, out, and the movement, the multiplying multicultural movement, completely overtook and overshadowed the Roman Empire. Didn't understand what he was saying, but they listened to him. They said, sounds like a good idea, and they brought them back in, and the scriptures say they beat them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? They, yeah, they flogged them. They, they whipped them. The, the 40 lashes minus one, 39 lashes. And all of us have seen the passion of the Christ now, and we know a little bit now of what this must have been like and how they would have stood there and watched their companions one at a time undergo beating and the skin coming off their back and sides and knowing that I'm next and hearing their companions scream and suffer and being scarred permanently for life, beaten to within an inch of their life. And I think if that were us today, most of us, this would be the end. It would be this is where the movement stops, this is where it's over, this is where where it, it's done. But look what happened. After they'd beaten them and whipped them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they beat them to the inch of their life, and then says, now, stop talking about Jesus, and they let him go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. What? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame, for his name. Listen to this. They, they left rejoicing in spite of the fact that they'd been scarred for life, that they'd been beaten, that they endured unimaginable pain. They left rejoicing, counting themselves, you know, that we were so lucky to be able to share suffering for the name of Jesus. I read these words and I know that my heart needs to change. I read these words and I say, something has to be different in me. God, I'm so fearful. God, I'm so afraid that anything negative would happen because I'm a Christian. That, that God forbid somebody wouldn't like me. That someone may be a little offended by something I may say. 
that, that these first Christians rejoiced for being counted worthy for suffering for his name. Like, God, you gave your life for me, so uh, you, you can have, I, I'm, worthy, I'm so glad that, that I was able to give you some skin off my back. Jesus, you gave your life for me, so I'm glad that I've been excluded because of you. Jesus, you gave your life for me, so I'm glad that I'm not included because of you. I'm glad to suffer some shame because of your name. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation of them that believe. This is how they thought. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. And, and we live in such a safe country, in a safe community where everything is designed for our ease and comfort, and yet we are some of the least bold Christians in the entire world, afraid that people might think we're weird, or afraid that someone might think that I don't like this, or we'll be excluded from that foursome, or excluded from the invitation. Somehow, you know, we'll feel at that awkward moment our, our, our threshold for pain and awkwardness and difficulty is so low. And I just got to ask the question, why is that? I mean, how did we get so far? How did we get so far as a movement, the multiplying movement of Jesus? How did we end up here? And I just think it's because we're so blessed. We've been given so much. We do live in such an amazing place in an amazing time. And those who have much are afraid of losing it. We've been given so much, and instead of just being grateful and thankful and being responsible for what we have, we're just so afraid of losing it. You know what? It's not just our Christianity. It's the whole culture that's gone crazy over fear. Everybody has to wear a helmet. Everybody has to, you know, uh, wear a seatbelt. Everybody needs 40 different kinds of insurance. We're all so afraid of loss. I'm not an exception. This is very convicting to me. So, so what do we do? How, how, should we, how should we be? It's not like these guys even left and went into hiding and like took their beating and went and crawled under a rock. In verse 42 it says, and daily in the same temple where they were arrested and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Wow. So I imagine this moment, right, last night, just sitting here thinking about like what's it gonna be like when I lay this on everybody? <laughs> and everybody going like, okay, Darren, can we, can we go to the Colts game this afternoon still? Is that okay? I mean, can we, can we still enjoy, like, lunch? Is it even possible? And, I, you know, I get that. I, under, I understand. I, I'm just pointing out that, wow, the gap between where those Christians were and where we are. And I could tell you, I thought, well, maybe I'll tell stories of, like, modern-day martyrs, like people who are around the world suffering and being beaten and being attacked for the name of Jesus, people being killed today. In fact, they say there are more martyrs in this century than in all the centuries past, people who have died for the name of Jesus, but those stories would be so far removed from our situation, we would just go, wow, you know, okay, good for them, and it, it wouldn't affect us, so, so what, what do we do, and how should we respond, you know, since we're so afraid? Here, here are a couple of what I call just baby steps for boldness. And they're not anything like what these apostles went through. And you'd say, well, Darren, that doesn't even compare. Well, that's right, but you've got to start somewhere. And for those of us who, who, who are, are worried and are fearful and we're afraid to invite and we're afraid to share and we're afraid to speak, you know, and I, and I, and I bring this up because here, here's my real concern at the end of the day, that, that we're the church of Jesus Christ. It's us. We're the church. We're, what, we're what's left. Uh, we're part of what's left on the earth that's been given this great commission. We inherited the commission of Jesus from our forefathers, from these people. The commission of Jesus was 
um, wait in Jerusalem until my Holy Spirit comes upon you. But when the Holy Spirit gives you boldness, you're going to be my witnesses in your city. You're going to be, you're going to tell people what you've seen and what you've heard in your city and in your nation and to cultures that are different from you in your nation that maybe you don't even like, but you've got to go to them. And, and you're going to be my witnesses to the whole world. In fact, you're going to make disciples in all nations in my name, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to teach them everything that I've said and, and everything that I've commanded. Go now, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. I don't even know if, if we know what it means to be a witness or how to carry out that commission anymore. And what are we leaving for our children? What, what kind of church will we say, this is the church of Jesus, and this is what it means to follow? And how to be, you know, if, if we can't even endure even a little bit of awkwardness, awkwardness for the name of Jesus. So, so what are some baby steps that could get us just started to reclaim the identity of who we're supposed to be? First of all, number one, I think that boldness is simply saying something when we could say nothing. Boldness is actually saying something when we could say nothing. As simple as, you know, um, hey, you know what, where do you go to church at? Why don't you come with me and my wife, we'll pick you up, we'll go to church, we'll go to lunch afterwards. I can't say that. Well, wait a second. To play that back again, you can't. Hey, where do you go to church? Oh, okay. Well, come with us. We'd love to have you. You'd be our guest at the nine o'clock service, and then we'll go to brunch afterwards. Why is that so hard? Boldness is simply saying something. We could say nothing at all. We could just sit. Oh, I don't want to. They, they might be offended. Have you ever met a person that was actually really offended because you simply just said, "Hey, we're going. Would you like to come with us?" But it's so hard for us. We're so embarrassed for some reason. I don't know. A baby step. How about, how about this baby step? Baby step of praying for somebody right then and there instead of, oh, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. What a horrible thing to say anyway. I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. What are like prayers? Like the stuff that you say repetitively over and over and over again? I mean, why not just, why not just say, oh, really? Let me pray for you right now. No, I mean, actually, just pray. Just talk to God. Like, say, God, I really care about this person, and I want you to listen to my desire that, that you would help them in this way, one, two, three. Or, or just, because in that moment, I mean, what if God has not stretched out his hand simply because we have not prayed? And we say these little platitudes about, oh, I'll, you know, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers. What's, what's preventing you from right in that moment to say, well, come over here. Let's, let's just pray right now. Let me pray for you. Well, then I'd have to talk like, prayer, like say words to God in front of people. <laughs> Darren, don't ask me to do that. There's <laughs> a boldness baby step. How about responding immediately to those little whispers when the Holy Spirit talks to you and says, here's an opportunity, do something about it. You know what I'm talking about. You've had those little moments where you just know this is God and I need to respond, but you said, I don't know, this might be awkward, it might be weird, or, or maybe God has you know, given you a word, to, you know, you need to do this. You know, <laughs> you need to take this step. You need to obey. Well, I, I, listen, it's just water. It's not a whipping. It's just water. It, you, you'll recover. I've not drowned one person. It's just water. It's, it's, it's the act of getting up in front of some other Christians and saying, you know what, I want all of you to know I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back for me. Oh, well, you know, in the Bible, it's... <laughs> 
boldness, just saying, yeah, I want people to know, if you can't confess Jesus Christ in here with a bunch of people that are cheering you on, how will you ever be bold for Jesus in the world? That's exactly what baptism is about, to give you that experience where you go, okay, I'll get up in front of some other people and I will face that awkwardness of being wet and symbolically dying to myself, being raised to new life in Christ, and I'll follow him. (sighs) I'm just saying we're so anxious. I'm running out of time. I could talk about this all day long. But I'm going to let you go. I want us to pray this prayer one more time that I prayed with you last Sunday. I just want us to start praying this prayer. It's not that you're not going to be afraid or have anxiety, but I want you just to simply pray this prayer. God, something's wrong with me. I'm not even like the Christians that, that I read about in the Scripture, and I, I'm burdened. Make me like this. God, change me. God, give me boldness. So I want to put this Scripture up one more time. I want you to stand with me one more time, and let's... Read it through one time, and then the second time, let's do it again. Let's actually pray this prayer, and let's see what God might do if only we'd be bold. First time. Now, Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, let's pray this now. Now, Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word and by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Holy Spirit, grant boldness to every person. Grant them boldness to speak when they, when they want to stay silent. Grant them boldness to pray when you whisper to them to pray. Grant them the ability to just obey you when you whisper, to take that next step. Give them the courage to be bold. And God, when they do that, I pray that you'd fulfill your word and you would meet them and show yourself strong and do miraculous things because they stepped out in faith and boldness. And if there's any person here that needs to follow Jesus today, this is the time for you. There is no other name by which you might be saved. And so respond to the call of Christ today. And your prayer goes like this. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me. I believe that you're the Son of God. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Yes, God, that's me. Give us boldness, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a lady in our church.